Hey, you're listening to Not Having It All, a film and TV podcast with some lifestyle thrown in for good measure. I'm your host, Karis Rian, and this week I'm joined by my partner in crime, Neha Faraz. We're still working from home and living at home and doing everything at home and keeping you sane by providing you with another podcast. This week on journalism, films and TVs about the journalists that we love, admire, and also quite scared of looking at you, Nightcrawler. So pop on those headphones, increase that volume, and get ready to add more onto that ever-growing watch list. Hello, happy Tuesday. Hey, how are you? I'm good. It always feels weird after a bank holiday weekend. It doesn't feel like a real week. I feel like everyone deserved this bank holiday weekend, though. Like, they not did. that we did. Not that we've been doing anything other than being indoors, but, like, having four days to not work from home and, like, not have to think about stuff. I think yeah, it's good. no, it actually felt super nice, actually. And it felt quite long as well. Like, usually Bank Holiday Weekend, like, proper fly over. Yeah. But this one, I felt like, oh, gosh, it's I've woken up and I think it's Sunday, but it's actually Sunday. Yeah. It's quite, yeah, no, it was definitely well needed for me anyway. I definitely feel like working at home, you, you don't have, like, an off switch sometimes. Mm. So, yeah, that, that was that was a lush. And obviously, I used the Bank Holiday Weekend really wisely by binge-watching TV. It's the best thing to do. One must do. So I've got to talk to you about, obviously, the Netflix documentary that everyone's... It's kind of like the latest craze, isn't it? There's always a craze happening. It was Love is Blind, that was Making a Murderer, and now there's Tiger King. Um, Now, I saw the hype online about this, and I did think, okay, it's something I'll get around to watching eventually, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea what the subject matter was going to be. I heard about multiple marriages, I heard about... Uh, obviously the guy had kept tigers and then I heard there was a murder and then I heard there was kidnapping and so I watched it and I was blown away yeah because only in America could this happen exactly there's no, yeah exactly the story like this could only exist there I mean what were your first thoughts when you started watching the show and got introduced to the maniac that is Joe Exotic I so, I mean, I, like you, I didn't give in to the hype straight away because I was like, oh, I don't want to watch something really stressful because I just assumed it was going to be really stressful. It yeah. was not. It was chaotic, but it was not stressful. And Joe was like... Like, I didn't know people like Joe existed. Yeah. And, and not in the way it's like, oh, everyone's unique. I'd ne-. It's like, no, I didn't know people like that. Like, that was, I didn't know that thing. was a thing. Yeah. Um, they all terrified me. I didn't like any of them. It was like a competition of how many beautiful yeah. people they could find. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're introduced to Joe and he's obviously he keeps all these animals, which is obviously very questionable because straight away they talk about the financial burden of this, how many tigers. I mean, he had, was it like 227 tigers or animals in general? Because oh. he didn't just have tigers. He had bears. Mm-hmm. He had monkeys. He had, um, well, there was like a whole zoo. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a big cat-like thing. And they fed them with like gone off meats from supermarkets and the staff as well like the treatment of the staff they were given like trailers to live in that were just completely unsafe no yeah so straight away it's not a great leader he's not a great person but then you find out about his personal life the fact that he's he's gay but he has two husbands but he's like coerced these young men into marrying him because he supplies them with meth and money and other drugs 
So he's very questionable as a character. Not just, but it's not like you know. Some people are like, okay, yeah, he's a sketchy guy. He does this with Joe Exotic. There's like a roster, yeah, of, with reasons yeah. why he's not a good person. No, he's not a good person at all. I felt that, that episode when we learn about Travis. Yes, I. Uh, that was that was, was a stressful episode. That was like, oh, okay, this is stressful. Because I was quite confused, because at first I thought it was Netflix had gone to film mm. this. But it's not, is it? It's, an, it's a combination of a reality show that he was filming himself, a reality show that he'd paid someone else to film, and then Netflix have obviously gone out and done, and done bits and pieces. But they've managed to string it together very well, I will say that. Um, but this cast of characters... Oh, my God. Because not only have you got Joe, you have all these other big cat enthusiasts, if you can even call it enthusiasts, who also own these zoos across America, who are all bloody bonkers. Yeah. Doc Antle only marries, quote, virgins and doesn't let them leave and calls himself Bhagavan, which does not mean Lord in Sanskrit. It means God. So he thinks he's, like, the shit. And, like, he just tells people, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to go get a boob job. I know. That's not a zoo. That's a cult. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to call it what it is. That is a cult-like mm-hmm. behaviour. Yeah. I re- I'm really interested that one of the girls that was... What, was, she, was she one of Don, Doc Antle's wives or was she just, like, a worker there? I, I think she was a worker. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the one that had the boob job. I'd love to know more about her story. I reckon there's more to tell oh, about Doc sure. Antle. For sure. For sure. Hugely. So skeevy. It was just bonkers. And then you've got all the big cat guys. You've got that Jeff guy who's as sketchy as he's hell. He's definitely killed someone. Oh, my God, yes. Like... And his wife. What's going on oh with his God. wife? Girl, run. Yeah. Run, girl. It's crazy. And it's very cruel. And, I mean, as an animal lover, you look at the way they treat these people. And there's this one section where Joe talks about how... He had uh, two chimpanzees that were side by side in cages for ten years, and when he he gave them away or when he sold them to a sanctuary, they hugged each other, and he said himself, "Like, did I keep them apart for that long?" So there was a bit of doubt in that, but I'm not one of these apologists yeah. for him because he he's not. Yeah, he's it's not someone so that weird. should be pardoned. And Carol, oh poor. <laughs> and then we haven't even touched on Carol oh, yet. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Um, do you think she killed her husband? I don't... <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I don't... But then, like, even if she had... And I'm not saying I think she has or that she hasn't, but, like, Don Lewis was 40 and she was 19 when he picked her up on the road. Like, that, that this weirdness with Don Lewis. Like, I'm not saying... she. Oh, it's just all... Yeah, and that was another thing I really liked about the show, that, like... They'd establish something at the beginning of every episode, and in the last thirty seconds, they'd be, they'd say something like, "Carol Baskin fed her husband to the tigers," and and then the episode would just end, and you'd be like, what? <laughs> "Just end," and you're like, "What?" It's a great, it's a great way of getting you hooked. Yeah, I re- I do like that. They so did that good. with them. I think it was the one that was about the murdered nun, uh, the keepers. I think they did the same concept with mm, that one. Yeah. Um, but I did, I will say the first three, four episodes are amazing. And then after that, I did try, I did kind of get bored, especially when they speak about like Joe Exotic running for president. Yes, I did just say that Joe Exotic run for president. Um, mm. And then when Jeff comes in, it starts to get less, um, I think, gimmicky and more like 
worrisome and scary and you're kind of you are still laughing but you're also thinking what the hell is yeah. going on um but yeah carol baskin i don't know i mean this the stuff she did after her husband went missing was very sketchy and that's what makes me think but i mean if you're gonna kill your husband feeding him to a tiger that is that is a class right? elite move right that's like some gossip girl storyline shit yeah and i like that's, whenever like, that's they... like a blair waldorf move <laughs> i like that whenever they mention that there's always like it always follows up with carol like scenically riding her bike and her hair like yes. <laughs> blowing in the wind <laughs> so Here, good. Kitty, kitty. yeah now, does he sing them songs, or does he not? So, because the songs... So, my colleague told me that apparently he doesn't sing them on the show, but the songs are actually his. So, when he's singing on the show, it's like lip-singing? Singing. Okay. But he has actually... thinks he's a country music I, star. Cause I did, yeah, I do think, because when he was singing at um, Travis's funeral, he did sing like, yeah. live. So, I thought, okay, he does have a good voice. He, I mean, to be fair, he has a repertoire of talents. <laughs> It's just a shame he's also got a repertoire of awfulness yeah. behind him. Um, Such a villain. It is, if you're looking for something wild to watch, I would definitely recommend it. I kind of put it off because I didn't want to fall into the hype mm. like I usually do. Um, but I gave in and it was definitely worthwhile because it's just something ridiculous to watch. It yeah. really is. It really is. But what shocked me is the most is that there are more tigers in America yes. than there are in the wild. I know. Like, don't these people realise you can just go get a dog? It's ridiculous. It was crazy. So, yeah, that was that was one of the um, the wildest things I've done. Um, what else have you been watching? Um, Ozark, because I love Ozark. It's so good. Mm. And I think what's, what I really liked about um, Ozark this time round is people discovering it, because I feel like people didn't really tune into Ozark the first season or so, like, when it first came out. Because it was like, oh, it's Jason Bateman. Like, it's not. It's going to be okay. It's going to be great. Um, kind of felt like a Breaking Bad version of a something. Um, because mm-hmm. no one's got anything to do and everyone's watching it now. Everyone's going, oh, Jason Bateman, I see it. I see why you're <laughs> so great. And I'm like, I know. Um, which is really exciting. So, yeah, if you've not watched Ozark yet, watch Ozark. Um, I've also... Westworld has been incredible. Like, it is the best thing on tv right now so is it back to being like westworld used to be it is yeah and it it is but it isn't because obviously it's taken they're not in the park anymore in the third season um so it's like a whole new set of rules and it's just it's wild and there was a sequence in the last episode where um aaron paul's character ends up being injected with this drug called genre and it's almost like you know the gum from willy wonka thingy the the gum that he makes in each layer is like a different flavor so when when Aaron Paul's character is going through this trip each um layer is a different like it transports him into like a completely different mood and each mood is punctuated by a different famous soundtrack so you've got like Space Oddity you've got um The Shining and it is just so good like so genius um but yeah so Westworld it sounds exciting because, I mean, I, like many people I found, loved the first season. Mm. It was such a brilliant concept. It was so well done. The cast were incredible, especially the women. It was great to see, a, like, a big show of that scale yeah. to have so many great women in it, too. And then the second season come around, and I don't know what I was expecting, whether it was, like, a play-by-play of the first season or whether it was just 
there wasn't enough happening. I just kind of fell out of love with it. And I think I stopped watching after the fourth episode. Mm. And then then it just didn't really ha- go anywhere, did it? There wasn't a third season announced. It wasn't... So I thought, oh, it must be cancelled. And then they seem to have put a lot into this third season. I don't know whether the writers have come back or whether they've just got more money. Yeah. But they seem to be really hamming it up. So I'm really intrigued. So I think I might have to catch up and yes. um, see what um, stick Dolores with it. and Maeve are up to. Mm, stick with it. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm excited for that. Um, I've started watching a British show called Quiz. Have you heard about this? No. So this is, I mean, the concept sounds really boring, but stay with me here. So it's based on the winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the game show. Mm -hmm. That, do you remember, I mean, we were very young when this happened, but he cheated by coughing. Oh. Did you hear this? No. So, well, it's rumoured that he cheated, but essentially his wife was in the audience and there was a cough at certain questions about what answers should be. So we're watching that. It's on for three nights. It stars, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name. It stars Tom from Succession. Oh. Um, um, is it Tom? It's, it's Shiv's wife. Shiv's husband, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Shiv's I'm wife. Uh, Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden, mm-hmm. yes, it stars him. It stars the sister from Fleabag, and it also stars Ashleen B. Who oh, cool, worked. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm watching that at the moment. But bless my nana, she's also watching. And I asked her last, I asked her this morning, how did you find it? And she said she found it boring. And then she told me everything that happened in the next two episodes. Oh dear. <laughs> because she's just like that. So yeah, but I'm very excited to watch it happen again. Oh, cool. Um, so I've been watching that. Um. And then what else was there? Apologies, apologies. I forgot to... Never mind. So, the theme this week. You picked the theme for this week. I did pick the theme. Because you're a big fan. I am a big fan. Am I saying the theme? Someone's got to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Journalism movies. Journalism movies. And we did some homework for this. I felt like I was back in film We did, yeah. We really did some homework for this. I liked it. So we've got TV and we've got films that feature journalists and journalism. We're going to talk about some key themes and things like that. We're going to, and obviously we asked you guys to tell us your favourite journalism films. And I think everyone kind of come back and said the two big ones. Uh, The first one, which is Zodiac, which I never really think of as a journalist film. But it is very much about it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely count it. It's not, obviously, because it's like a mystery thriller slash, but um, it is to me. Hmm. I think with Zodiac, obviously, I think the the main kind of like pull people say this film is obviously it's David Fincher. The cast is great. You got Jake Gyllenhaal. You got Robert Downey Jr. You got Mark Ruffalo. By the way, them three incredible mm. as a little cast. Yeah, it's um, kind of mad that one of them is Hulk, one of them is Iron Man. <laughs> um, it's a great, but I think with Zodiac, it kind of pulls on how a serial killer utilizes the relationships with a journalist it mm. kind of reminds me like it's a little bit like Mindhunter yeah even though Holden isn't a journalist he is therefore compiling information presenting information which is like what do journalists do but it's easy to it's good to see that kind of how a serial killer and he's not the only one to do this I mean look at just recently with Don't Fuck With Cats mm. and how he kind of manipulated people to report on him and to express how they felt about him in the in the news so it kind of shows how journalists can get so into a story, it kind of puts their life at danger almost. I mean, in that film, you think Jake Gyllenhaal at any moment is going to get, like, yeah. murdered. Yeah, ex- yeah. It's so but good. But no, it's very dark, and it's, it's, it is a classic. I mean, I haven't watched it in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Have you? It's been a while, but I, I think it's my 
favorite fincher Ooh. yeah because like, i've always because obviously i've always liked journalism in movies and here we have what is one of the most infamous serial murderers of like the 1960s and 70s in a fincher film like i was always gonna love it um mm. and i just i really like how it I, I really like how sort of reporting is used as a tool to kind of further the investigation along, which is something that appears in a ton of journalism movies, so that isn't unique. But just the way that it's done, and you've got, like, the interplay between uh, Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Hall and how they're all sort of, like, dealing with, as a film goes on, kind of progressively this kind of demon um, and the way it's kind of overshadowing and, and, and the weight that it's putting on them, I think, is... It's so good. It's just, it's such a good film. And I think it's, um, I mean, we've seen in real life as well how journalism has assisted in serial killers and things like that. I mean, you've got to think about Patton Oswalt's wife who wrote the book on the, um, was it the Green Bay Killer? Mm. Or the Gold, Golden State Gold, Killer? Yeah. And they've got their guy. I mean, not putting that down to the book, but the fact that there are people out there who are so desperate to seek the truth not saying that the police and fbi aren't mm. but sometimes journalists are able to go the extra mile or maybe get themselves i mean look at the scream franchise you have gail weathers who essentially is a nosy reporter yeah. who ends up uncovering well the murder in all four films yeah bless her little heart um so no i think it was definitely a good balance of kind of like journalism investigating murders because obviously they they want to get the truth but also they want something titillizing for their viewers as well yeah but then you have them journalists that do solely want to get the truth it's like embodied in them which is great and speaking on that mm. we go on to another the second most popular film we got back which was spotlight <gasps> spotlight spotlight this was for me this was like a surprise hit at the time like I remember going to see it, I was excited because the cast are great mm. and the kind of subject matter being Catholic, it's like, okay, I want to hear more about this. But I feel like I did not expect it to be, like, the best picture winner and everyone to love it as much. I don't know why. I can't remember what, what else was out that year, but I just did not expect it to take it away that year. Yeah, no, I was the same as you. I didn't go and see it in the cinema um, just because I feel like it was one of those... You know how every year before the Oscars, there's always that one film that kind of slips that comes out here really late, so it comes out in the UK really late, and then is yeah. already not has won things and nominated, so it was just, it kind of slipped my radar. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh my god, this film is my crack. Like, it is <laughs> it is just everything that I love in a movie. It's so good. It had a stiff competition, though, because that was the year that we had, like, Room, yes. Mad Max Fury Road, Brooklyn, Bookshot, Bridge of Spies, The Revenant. Um, so yeah, I was su- I was surprised that it, it won, but I I think it's fantastic Mm. i mean the reason why i love this film is that i think the cast is amazing and each individual reporter slash character gives an incredible performance because you've got mark ruffalo and they're all different too they're not just they've all got different methods they've all got different kind of backgrounds yeah um is it i'm trying to think which actor is it brian drc james his performance in particular Mm. the way that he has children and he knows he lives by one of the priests and the way that he kind of you can see the doubt going into his mind but also yeah. the fear as well that's the one thing i love about spotlight is that it constantly balances on the righteousness of being catholic and the fact that this allegation is terrible against your beliefs 
and then the other balance that this is this could have happened to you mm. this could have been you it's i don't know i like you i absolutely love this film and i think it reminds me of doubt which is another film that obviously doesn't feature journalists but yeah. you've got that kind of accusation you've got that evidence and you have that doubt and then you have that kind of commitment to faith but then commitment to truth it's, true. it's a very it's a very difficult storyline mm, isn't it, is. it? The, the catholic church and sexual abuse oh it's so good I mean, it's for me, I think the reason why it pays off so well is that they do accept that it will be problematic. I mean, you've got Rachel McAdams where she... Is it her mother or grandmother? Mm, Yeah. Where she so gently tells her the truth and shows her the article because she knows that as as a reporter, she has to present the truth. But then as a Catholic, she has to kind of protect her family and she has to kind of break it softly. I mean, I don't know. I just can't. I have no words with this, which is terrible on a film show, but I can't do it. It's just such a good film. And Billy Crudup as well. Oh, yeah. I love Billy Crudup in the Same. Film. I have such a up, crush like... on him. Me too. Ever since Almost Famous. Yes. I don't know what it is. It is, is it, it, he kind of gives me like John Bernthal vibes a little bit. They're like, he'll appear in movies, but yes. not very, for not very long. Mm. And I'll be hung up on how cute he is. And he's had some good wives too. <laughs> well, I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's married to all of them. But he dated Mary Louise Parker. Oh, cool. And then he dated Claire Danes. And now he's dating Naomi Watts. Huh. Well, although I am forever mourning the marriage of Naomi Watts and Lee Schreiber. Yeah. Just saying. And Lee Schreiber and, and um, Billy Crudup are co stars, aren't they, in Spotlight? I think this was before he stole his wife. Okay. Not saying that he stole his <laughs> wife, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It could happen. But yeah, they were the two most popular ones. I mean, why Why do you think that is? Obviously, Spotlight is very recent. And yeah. it's about probably, well, I don't know, there are some films about the Catholic Church, but I say that's the only reporting journalism film that is about the Catholic Church that deals with this so well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Zodiac's about a serial killer. Do you reckon that it's because those two are very popular subjects? Maybe, and I think... I was going to say they're pretty contemporary, but I guess Zodiac took place in the 60s and 70s. I think it's also just... Mm. It just comes down to how these films have been made like when I think about journalism films that I really enjoy there's always that they're always paced really well there's always that emphasis on like okay the news is about to break and there's that moment in the film where you're like okay everyone's gonna find out like it's just yeah the way that they build up that tension and the way that it's like it all kind of boils down to that moment of it's like you know it's gone to the printing press I think is so key and I think these two films do that kind of that building of tension so well I think it's a revelation of truth as well. The fact that yeah. they're publishing, they're publishing never before seen. I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I like turn on the news or see on Twitter breaking news, I mean, obviously not at the moment. I don't really like to see it, mm. but like before this mad world that we live in right now, when I used to see breaking news, I think, oh my god, what what's happened? Because it's not happened yet. It's breaking yeah. like, and that's what's exciting about the kind of rigmarole off that and putting together. The new, I mean, but what I love though, especially about Spotlight, the way that when it was set, is the idea that people would get excited about a printed piece of media. Mm, yeah, it feels so old fashioned now. Like you don't have that anymore. Nobody saves news for printed media anymore. We're not breaking yeah. news anyway. No, it's and I love I love that. Like I used to collect newspaper articles of like, th- like I've got the one where Trump was elected, and I've got the one where like we, I think when we leave the EU, like I've got all of them. 
and it's just, really yeah I keep them because I'm a nerd I did like I always just put it down to being like an American studies student that there's so much his like I'm just such a history nerd that I keep everything. That's so cute. I love but that. Yeah, I, keep I don't have any. I have like this sounds so freaking narcissistic. I've got like the newspaper clippings of when people have wrote about my films. Oh nice. No, that's cool. But that but that's it. I don't I don't have anything else. I'm terrible. You can always start. Could do. Although I don't know. <laughs> um Another one that came up quite a lot, which is very different, mm. very, very different, we're taking a complete genre change here, is Nightcrawler. Ah, yeah. I don't... This is... Go on. I, was... I don't know if it's that different in genre. Well, it's a thriller. Yeah. It's more... Okay, yeah, let's talk I can about see it. that. So, with Nightcrawler, we, are, we have... Um, it's a very small cast, and we've got Lou Bloom, which is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. He loves playing a reporter, our Jake. He does. Now, he is... They call him a stringer, mm. which is a term I never heard of before, but it's basically like a freelance kind of reporter who kind of bring, puts together um, events and then sells the footage to television studios. But he records particularly violent events, so it's like, it's like car crashes and stuff like that, isn't it? Um, to, like, local stations and things like that. And then we kind of see him getting a little bit more, would you say obsessed is the right word? Oh, yeah, I think, yeah. And and I think because obviously he starts off the film as someone who's unemployed and, like, in desperate need to make money. So yeah. there's definitely that, I think, relationship between all that sort of, like, almost fear or anxiety that he has of not wanting to go back to a... Yeah, because he, he's not was. a journalist per se, is no, he? He's just someone he's desperate for money. Yeah, yeah. so he's desperate for money. And he kind of becomes... I, I read a really great line today when I was watching another film, and it said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Mm. And he kind of incorporates that by starting to... He kind of tampers with crime scenes and moves things out the way so he can you know get better camera angles yeah. and he's very dark but thing is i could totally imagine journalists and news people doing that couldn't you yeah for sure i think the film Huge itself thing. is a really good um kind of it's almost like that kind of darker side of journalism and that relationship between kind of um consumer sort of consumer wants and consumer demands because you've got obviously the end of the film where people are like telling renee russo's character oh you shouldn't run this but she's like very adamant that she wants the rawest and goriest and and just most sensationalized version of the events versus unethical journalism which i think is is what it is i mean it gets to a point when he starts following i mean they actually like make a police car crash yeah when that's when i was like oh my god this film what's going on yeah like and i think that that's where the ethics are wrong isn't it because you're not there for you just want the story, you don't really want the... I mean, it goes back to like we said about Zodiac. Zodiac were doing in, in their own investigations into a serial killer and the FBI probably were not happy about it, but they were still letting the FBI get on with their own investigation. Mm. Whereas here, Nightcrawler is just like, yeah. doesn't give a shit. No, it's like directly. <laughs> I just want that video footage. Yeah, just like tampering with it and then kind of creating situations. I think in, like, if you were to um, liken them to maybe modern day events, the way you've got like paparazzi and... And, yeah, and that, I was like following that. celebrities around and kind of creating these situations where they know um, someone's going to react in a specific way just to get the footage. I think it, it it does a good job at portraying that. 
He does usually. I mean, with paparazzi, we've seen celebrities in the past, I mean, probably namely Britney Spears, mm. doing things because they get angered by it. And it's not a new thing and it's still happening now. I mean, I did wonder what, what has happened to paparazzi at the moment. Yeah. Are they social distancing? <laughs> well, I guess they always are when they're like hiding behind trees and stuff, right? Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, we're still seeing paparazzi photos, which does feel weird. It does, yeah. Because what could celebrate... I mean, in particular, Ana Diarmez and Ben Affleck. This is my favourite thing. Oh, God. Because it's so awful. I don't like it. It's staged, right? I mean, it has to be staged. And this isn't... I mean, obviously, Florence Pugh recently spoke about her relationship with Zach Braff. This is nothing to do with the age difference between Ana Diarmez and Ben Affleck. No. It's the fact that Ana Diarmez is this young, pure, incredibly talented woman... But maybe she's helping Ben, I don't know. I don't want, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, no, go back to Jennifer. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just, the whole, it's, it's just feels very staged to me. I don't know what that means because I'm not one of those like conspiracy theorists of like, oh, they've got a film coming out, so they're just going to pretend to date. But the fact that they're always like super, like being super cute and the paps catch them. I'm like, really though? They can't just walk what? without touching you? Yeah. Like what's going on? Well, to this day, I still think that Diana Egron and Alex Pettiford, they never dated. I reckon that was just to oh, really? sell their form. <laughs> but I did find out that, like, she had a restraining order against him. Oh. Yeah. Huge. I didn't know that. Apparently that got quite bad. So, yeah. Hmm. But, yeah, that's Nightcrawler, which was obviously a very more gritty telling of journalism. But it just kind of highlighted that crossing the line of moral, I don't know, moral integrity, would you say? It is just, it's criminal what he's doing, right? Like, it's criminal negligence, I think. Yeah. Hugely. I'm then going to move on to Shattered Glass, just because there's some similar themes here. Mm -hmm. So this is a film I watched for the show, um, starring Hayden Christensen, who, by the way, what has happened to him? I don't know. I wasn't ever his, like, biggest fan. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. Are are you not a big fan for a big reason? No, no, no. I just, he's never... Okay, he's I thought he dumped something. Bit. Oh, no, no. I, at least I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't like him for a little while because he dated Rachel Bilson and I was still very upset that Rachel Bilson and Adam Brody had broken <laughs> up. But now I know that God had a plan and that plan was laid to Meester. Yeah. So it's all okay. Um, so Hayden Christensen's in this film. He's fantastic. And I just it just made me wonder because I do think he's a great actor. But then, for some reason, he just doesn't seem to be in many things. Yeah, so that's that true. was disappointing. But Shattered Glass is about a journalist who works at the new, I think it's called the New Reporter. Um, and he's he's got these sensational storylines. He, he sits in the room and he pitches them and he kind of gets up on the desk and he's very animated and excited about his storylines. And then the film progresses about whether his stories that he's been writing are actually true. So, you have this other company who is an internet newspaper mm-hmm. who basically look into one of his stories and realise that none of the people that are mentioned exist. Oh, weird. So, it's quite an interesting. You have a bit of an unreliable narrator. You mm-hmm. have a little bit of an anti-hero because you're kind of like, well, you know, again, why would should you let the truth get in the way of a good story? He's a good guy. He's brought great things to the newspaper. And then you have the other side of it that is obviously the ethical ground why are we publishing news that is obviously fake mm. um it's a true story as well which is quite interesting but yeah it was it was really really gripping oh, and really nice. thrilling the way they kind of uncovered it because it was like investigative journalism on journalism yeah 
That's interesting. But no, I definitely recommend it. Okay. It's a bit of an underrated gem. I mean, I looked on Letterboxd after I watched it and only a few people I know had watched it and all of them had said hmm. how it's an underwatched kind of gem. But um, yeah, I definitely oh, recommend cool. that. But it was it was a like to Nightcrawler in the fact that you kind of have like a unstable character as well and unreliable. Um, but no, I'd, I'd definitely, definitely watch that. No, oh, nice. I'll put it on my list. Let's talk about the post because mm. you've seen the post. The Post. So The Post is, um, I think it came out in 2017. I've only watched it like two weeks ago. It's Steven Spielberg. Um, And Meryl Streep plays Catherine Graham, I think her name is, who's the first woman publisher of kind of a major American newspaper, which is The Washington Post. And Tom Hanks plays Ben Bradley, who's the executive editor of the paper. Um, Ben Bradley also appeared in All the President's Men, I think it was Jason Robards who played him. So that's a really okay. cool kind of like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and also the cast is kind of rounded out by... So we've got like Bob Odenkirk, Tracy Letts, Sarah Paulson, Bradley Whitford, Alison Brie, and Matthew Reese makes an appearance too, which is really fun. Um, so the film... Love it, Matthew Reese. I love Matthew Reese, And this is actually because I guess he plays, um, he plays a journalist in It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood too. So this is kind of a thing for him, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the post is, I think it's set in 1971 and tells a story of a group of journalists at the post who are attempting to publish the Pentagon Papers, which were classified documents about the US involvement in the Vietnam War and um, mm-hmm. kind of their how the New York Times gets a hold of it before them. So you've obviously got that um, competitive edge between newspapers, but also how they all kind of band together to, to take on... Um, the US government when you know they're about that they're, they're taken to court over it because it's like you know how do you have these papers it's okay it's like you shouldn't have them they're classified it's a national security concern and that kind of thing and how that kind of under the freedom of of the press they all sort of band together um and it's just like a very it's exactly what you would expect from a journalism movie which for me is amazing because this is that this is exactly what I love and there's this you know there's this one scene in the film where they're about to print um it's near the end of the film and they're you know they're about to go to print and there's this like montage of the papers like going through the printing press and everything's kind of like building up to that moment where it's going to drop and then the new that you yeah. know they're loading the vans and the newspapers are dropped in front of vendors and it's like oh my god it's broken like it's it's, it's this huge thing um and all the performances are really great it's got jesse plemons in it too who plays this like he's only in it for a little bit but he plays this like lawyer who's a little bit high strung and he's like oh we're all gonna get in trouble and um it's just really cool (laughs) and i the end of the film is super interesting for i guess anyone who's more aware of um the watergate scandal um i'm not going to give you a quick history lesson unless i should give you a quick history lesson but um history with now history with now but the end of the film essentially ends with uh frank Ooh, Frank Wells or Frank Grills, I can't remember his name, the security guard who noticed that the um, Democratic National Convention had been broken into and calls the police to say, oh, you know, there are burglars in here essentially telling you that um, he'd uncovered the Watergate scandal. And that's really funny because earlier on in the film, when Nixon, you know, when um, the Post have published this piece and Nixon are like, no one from the Post is ever allowed... Um, into the White House again, like, we're not going to give them any interviews because he was so mad. Um, the hilarity of the situation being Bernstein and Woodward, who uncovered the Watergate scandal, also worked at the Post, so the film kind of ends with 
them going, well, I mean, we end up in the lighthouse anyway and we end up taking you down, which is just a really cool way to end a film, I thought. So does it kind of, like, preclude All the President's Men? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so, because All the President's Men is set in, yeah, yeah, 1973. So, yeah, it would come first. Interesting. Mm. So you, that'd be quite. Would you say it's quite a good double bill? I mean, you have. I know you haven't seen all the presidents, Ben. I've seen it years and years ago, but history class. So I have to watch it again. Um, so yeah, I would watch the post. I would watch all the presidents' men, and then is there another? Oh, and then Frost Nixon. Wow, so there's like a proper trifecta. Yeah, to try. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I've not seen all the presidents' men. I really wanted to watch it, but I couldn't find it on any streaming services. Um, but that's that was that's like the number one journalist film in many 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 lists. Mm. Um, obviously stars Robert Hoffman and Dustin. Sorry, Robert Hoffman <laughs> and Dustin Redford. <laughs> yes, fantastic. Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, um, and it of course is about the Watergate scandal. I mean, something I was going to say as well is that many journalist films are related to politics, mm. and they kind of—I mean, I'd say they kind of go hand in hand a lot of the time. A lot of journalism, especially right now, is about politics, um, and maybe I think that's why a lot of people are put off by journalism films yeah. in general. So when you've got films like Nightcrawler or Zodiac or um, Spotlight, they're not about politics, they're about other subjects. Mm -hmm. People kind of relate to them a bit more. Maybe they're a bit more of a mainstream journalism film. Mm -hmm. But I think with politics and journalism, it's interesting because I feel like politics is telling you a version of the truth, whereas journalism is telling you the truth. Mm. So it's quite a good balance there, I find. But you mentioned Frost Nixon, which you have seen. I've not seen this because I really want to see it because I love Michael Sheen, who's also in the quiz. He's playing Chris Tarrant and he's got very strange accent. He has Chris Tarrant's accent. It's so uncanny, honestly. Um, But yes, tell us about Frost Nixon. Um, yeah. So I I just I watched Frost Nixon just yesterday because um I wanted to do a little more homework. Um, it stars Frank Langella as President Nixon. And um, Martin, was it? Ma- you know, I don't know if his name is Martin Sheen or Michael Sheen, and you just said it. Michael Sheen. There is we so go. Amazing. I get Michael Sheen and Martin Sheen confused all the time. And Michael Sheen plays mm-hmm. um, David Frost, who is a British journalist who is now hosting a show in Australia. And he used to be at one point a really like popular American journalist, and sorry, and he used to have a talk show, but it wasn't very popular, and it was taken off syndication. So he's kind of using. Um, this as his opportunity to kind of get back into that limelight he tells I think his name is Mr Burt also played by Matthew McFadden that you know this is his opportunity to get back into that limelight um and so it's a really good film I mean the soundtrack is Hans Zimmer uh, which I didn't know mm-hmm. and then you know you Hans Zimmer's got that way like the movie starts and you're like this is definitely a Hans Zimmer soundtrack and Hans it was. Zimmer yeah he's got like a signature he has yeah he has a thing um, and so the film has it essentially takes off with, with Nixon's resignation and you know people are really pissed off that he because he never really apologised for it and he ended up in the hospital because he had phlebitis at one point and um I think it was, yeah, it was Gerald Ford, who was about the most useful, useless president, I think, to have ever existed. He pardons Nixon, <laughs> so, yeah, he's so bad. He was only, like, president for a year or two. Um, he pardons Nixon, so Nixon essentially doesn't have to face a trial. He gets away with it, and people are really pissed off, um, obviously. And it, the film kind of starts with it being this opportunity for David Frost and, and his sort of his group of people to 
utilize Nixon and they don't really think he's a bad guy. They are just, you know, it's mutually beneficial for the both of them for these interviews to take place until we meet Sam Rockwell's character, who, um, and this is, I think, the first time I've watched Sam Rockwell in a, in a role, and I'm like, I've never identified with a Sam Rockwell character before, but it's finally happening because he always plays. Really? Yeah, because he always plays these really crummy people. Um, he does usually racist, always racist, <laughs> yeah, and awful. Yeah, but he was at you know he asked David Frost at one point. He's like, you know, why are you doing this? Because I'm only going to take part if we bring this man to account, if we force him to apologize, if we make him you know take account of what. And that's the first point. That's the point in the film where you're like, okay, so it's going to be one of those films that he's hopefully held accountable, and he is, and it's just really well made and. Ron Howard is, just does such a good job at at making this film. Like it's just he does with Ron Howard. I don't know about you, but it's it's, it's not that he's hit and miss. Is that he will make a really great engaging film, and then he'll do something that's kind of like yeah, yeah. It's just it's unsuspecting. I feel. Yeah. Also, I find I love that he is the director behind How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Oh my god, I didn't know that. It, I just love when I find a film by a director that's kind of bonkers. I had no idea. Yes. But, um, but no, it sounds really interesting. I just love the idea that there's like kind of three films that you can watch back to back about a particular... I think that's really interesting. I might have to do a triple bill. I recommend. Of all three of them. Yeah. That sounds quite good. I like that. Um, another thing you watched this week that I did laugh when you said you were going to watch it is The Last Thing He Wanted. Oh, yeah. It was shite. Which is rated 4.3 on IMDb. <laughs> it was... It was so... But this is by D. Reese, isn't it? Yes! So disappointed. I was so yeah. disappointed. I was like, oh, this is going to be great, because I'd never even heard of it. And I was like, oh, there's this random film on Netflix with Anne Hathaway and D. Reese. How do I not know about it? And then I yeah. watched it, and I was like, oh, this is why I don't know about it. This is why you don't know about it. It was, it was so it bad. It's based on a book um, by Joan oh, Didion, gosh. which I've also not read. Um, it just doesn't make... It just doesn't really make sense. Like, so she is... <laughs> You're struggling to even Yeah, the plot. so Anne Hathaway um, and Rosie Perez plays um, a photojournalist. The film starts with them. I think they're embedded in El Salvador and they're kind of documenting the war there and trying to connect it to how the US have essentially aided in this war but they have to flee because it's not safe for them and then two years later the film jumps two years later and she has to cover the 1984 US presidential election and then her dad played by Willem Willem Dafoe is dying and he has dementia and apparently he's like a gun runner so she inherits his position as an arms dealer for Central America and kind of learns all the kind of Contra Nicaragua um only North scandal and then it just it just it's one of those films that you feel like you're missing every other scene. So, like, you think you're like, oh, I get it, I get it. And then it jumps, and you're like, who is this person? It's got Ben Affleck in it, too, which is really random. Is he, like, a main character? He is, and he kind of... I won't spoil it, but he kind of has something to do... Like, a big thing to do with the way that the film ends, which is a super interesting ending. But it's just, like... The bare bones are there, but it really needs refining, because it just... It does not make sense as a film so disappointing yeah that's so disappointing i would not recommend it just looks bizarre like the poster i mean we have got shout out courtney willem dafoe is in this movie yes but it just doesn't seem like a real film (laughs) no it really like it ended and i had to like not it's not very often that a film ends and the first thing i have to do is the last thing he wanted explained because I had no idea what it. 
I had no idea. I was so confused. Oh, man. <laughs> the last thing he wanted explained. That's fantastic. Um, I watched a film like that this week. To oh, be yeah. Fair. I watched Good Night and Good Luck, um, which uh, obviously appeared on a lot of journalism movie kind of list. Mm-hmm. This is directed by George Clooney, and I've got some beef with George Clooney as a director. Oh. Because I just do not like his work that he directs. I didn't like Suburbicon. Mm-hmm. I thought it was shit. Mm-hmm. I just did not like it. And then what else was there? There was another film that I watched, The Monuments Men. Oh, just, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Just, just, um, yeah, just not for me. Acting-wise, yes, all day long, but I haven't seen Leatherheads, to be fair. I didn't love The Ides of March either. Oh, I've not seen that one. Yeah, it's this point, Ryan Gosling and I think Evan Rachel Wood's in it as well. Mm. Uh, but yes, anyway, that aside, I watched Good Night and Good Luck. Um, it's It came out in 2005, but it's kind of, it is quite clever. They, it's in black and white and it's very modelled as if it was in the 1950s. Um, and it kind of talks about the early days of television journalism. It talks about communism. It's... I just found it really boring. Mm. I did, the characters weren't very likable. It was there was no driving force with it. But the main theme I picked up obviously was when you have politics and journalism, and politics are kind of trying to dictate what journalism can do. And I feel like in America, there's more. I don't know. You get more films about like uncovering truth from the White House. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, we don't have as many. We have a few. I mean, there was one this year, wasn't there, with Keira Knightley? talking about the Afghanistan war. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. But there's not many about it. I think maybe we need to start doing more mm, in the UK. I agree. I think post-coronavirus, there's going to be... Well, we just know there's going to be an onslaught of films about yes, it, don't we? it's going to be a whole film about 5G starring Gerald have, Butler. <laughs> you're going to have rom-coms about people falling <laughs> in love, self-isolation. Yeah. You're going to have action films about people... Um, escaping and trying to get away from the virus and doctors mm. and manical ER. You're going to have horror films about the virus turning people into zombies. You're going to have um, science fiction films about how the virus is aliens. I mean, what other genres are there? We need to tick more off. Comedy films about being hysterical during isolation. <laughs> it, there's there's going to be so many, but I think there will be some opportunity yeah, for, for sure. interesting journalism films I think because I think the way that the news has been broadcasted is very questionable yeah I I'm agree just saying. but yeah I watched that and I was not impressed but one film I do want to talk about mm. which is lovely and obviously getting off the subject of the coronavirus is almost famous oh um which I always forget is a film about journalism essentially it's mm. about a young kid who gets this opportunity to write a great story about a band and he goes along with them um but almost famous, I suppose, when you think about the film, you don't think about journalism because it's just such a... For me, it is one of my favourite films of all time. Hmm. I think it's an absolute classic. Um, and essentially, it's about the kind of community of a band and the kind of essence that gives to its fans and its band-aids and things like that. But he is essentially writing an article for Rolling Stone. Hmm. Nice. So it kind of explores, again, like we touched on about how journalists can get too in deep with their subjects, mm-hmm. like can get a bit obsessed. I mean, we mentioned again about Mindhunter with Holden. Um, and that this film definitely does do that. He ends up kind of becoming their friend, or he thinks that they're her friend. And, 
you kind of see the good side to the rock stars and obviously the bad side to the rock stars. Mm. But I think it's a great, great film. And um, it just kind of shows that, especially with, I don't know, with rock stars and pop stars in general, I think when they're, whenever there's like a story about them, like we see these interviews and documentaries, like we have the Lady Gaga documentary, we have the Katy Perry documentary, mm. there's loads, One Direction had a film and things like that. I mean, you watched the Jonas Brothers documentary like earlier this year it's interesting, isn't it, to see rock stars that side of things. Yeah. Where it's not just the limelight; it's the kind of behind the scenes yeah. essence of it. It was really interesting. Yeah, so I think that's one of the reasons why I love Almost Famous. And for a little while, I was like, I want to write an article about a band, and I want to go on tour and do things, you know. Um, but yes, I love that film. Um, we're going to step away from films for a moment, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about television mm-hmm. and Neha's going to kick us off with her beloved show which is the newsroom yes yeah, so I always feel like I have to caveat whenever I talk about the newsroom because people like okay. when I always say it and people are like oh the newsroom and like I know <laughs> I, I know I know that it's it was one of the worst prestige shows it was arrogant it was Aaron Sorkin did not know how to write women it was very melodramatic like I know all of this but the newsroom is also the film that made me want to be a journalist for like three years of my life so I mean yeah like it was it's still probably my favorite show it's so for anyone who doesn't know what the newsroom is about because you've not listened to this show before and therefore haven't heard me talk about it um it kind switch of off now, yeah switch off. <laughs> so the series um kind of chronicles behind the scenes of a fictional um, news channel called atlantis cable news um and it's got like jeff daniels who plays the anchor of um their best sort of their primetime show um it's got emily mortimer, mortimer who plays his producer um john gallagher Gallagher Jr., who's in Westworld right now, Alison Pill, Thomas Sadowski, Dev Patel, my boyfriend, Olivia Munn, my girlfriend, <laughs> and um, Sam Waterston. And essentially, every episode is based on something that's happened in real life and how they, as a fictional newsroom, deal with it. So the first episode begins with the BP oil spill. Um, you've got um, the shooting of Gabrielle Giffords. You've got the assassination of Osama bin Laden. Like, every episode is based on kind of several real-world news program, um, news events. And it just is what you would expect from Sorkin, which is very kind of sharp, witty dialogue, very melodramatic um sometimes he goes a little bit overboard and and you know it feels a little bit overdone but that's my crack and it is what it is um and all the characters I think bounce off each other really well like you've got really great um relationships between um Olivia Munn and Thomas Sadowski's character Don and Sloan are like my favorite tv couple and the show only (laughs) ran for like 25 episodes so I mean it was pretty formative I felt um (laughs) but yeah it's just it again I think comes down to the, the way that it builds up to that moment when the news is about to go live, like all of the work that goes behind it, the way it's just, it is just the, 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 the whole kind of the drama of it all, as much as people didn't like it, but I loved it. I ate it up and I was so sad when it, it ended. Like I, it was so sad. I mean, it's interesting that it kind of chronicles the actual events mm. in the world in a fictional show. Mm. I liked that aspect to it. I mean, I only watched a few episodes, I will say, because I did struggle. One thing I struggled with was that how one episode would be like a normal running time. And he'd had another that was like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit and all I was over like, the place. I don't know where I am. Yeah. Um, what, what is it about the show, do you think, that people were off-put by it? 
I mean, I know, I know you mentioned the kind of arrogance and the lack yeah. of female kind of writing. Yeah, I think... I think it was, it, it, I think it was a combination of how arrogant it was. Because, you know, as much as I love Aaron Sorkin, he does do that thing sometimes where he does write characters and he does just the way that he sort of his, he strings words together does give off a sort of, I'm better than you. And, and I can understand why that can be off-putting. He yeah. didn't write women well at all. Like the women, apart from Sloan Sabbath, played by Olivia Munn, um, uh, Maggie, played by... Uh, Alison Pill and you've got Mackenzie played by Emily Mortimer like they were these powerful intelligent women but they just they were never utilized the way that they should have and they kind of just became um, romantic foils for um, other characters and it just didn't it never really worked and I think it was just for a lot of people far too melodramatic like I remember the fourth episode went which is about um, uh, Gabrielle Giffords getting shot when they break that news and when it all comes to light they do it to um Coldplay song Fix You and it was completely oh god yeah no it's completely <laughs> unnecessary but I was eating it up I was like oh my god this is this is my favorite show but then I went on Twitter and I was like what the fuck was that <laughs> and I get it like it may it makes sense I'm just in this situation I am not logical at all and that's cool I mean I think um I think for a actual like tv show it's probably one of the big ones about journalism mm. And that's why, for me, it's, I, feel, I feel awful because you love it. But, like, when I wrote, when I watched it, I was so excited because I thought this could be so much fun. It's about a newsroom. Mm. It's about journalism. But then I just couldn't, I just couldn't attach myself to it. Yeah. So maybe it's because I went in with a kind of expectation that you didn't fulfill and I just kind of wrote it off. But um, You're in the yeah, majority. It, yeah. It's a shame, though, because I, Aaron Sorkin... I don't like his TV, mm. but I do like his films. Like Social Network is up there, one of the best scripts that's out there. I really love Molly's Game that came out a couple of years yeah. ago. I think he, I don't know if you directed that, but you wrote it. Wrote it. Um, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was a strange one, but there's not many TV shows out there about news, I'd say. No. I feel like the character of the journalist you see prop up a lot. Like you've got the journalist in... Um... Is it season three of True Detective and you never quite know whether they're trying to, like, are they there to find the truth? Are they being exploitative? So I think yeah. the character of the reporter makes a lot of appearances, but not journalism in general. I mean, you had Veronica Mars, but I never watched it. No, I didn't watch a lot of it either. No. I'm sorry. Lauren should have come on the show for that one. Um, but yeah... I have watched another show, mm-hmm. which is about journalism. Well, I've watched the first episode because I only just got Apple TV. And I've got to say, Apple TV, who the hell is paying for this? Because it's absolute shit. I'm sorry, the interface is not user-friendly. Uh. It says it has all these films, but they don't. You have to pay for the films. Oh. I mean, there's like five TV shows on there, I think. There's only like three I want to watch. Um, but alas, I started watching The Morning Show, mm. which we were all very excited about because it stars Reese Witherspoon, it stars Jennifer Aniston, it's by a female director, and it's it was exciting. The trailers looked exciting. Mm. Um, but then they released it like week by week, but so I thought I'm gonna wait until the whole thing's kind of released. So I started watching it, and the so you have Jennifer Aniston, who is a morning news anchor, who works alongside Steve Carell, and they're kind of like the embodiment of this show. Because mm-hmm. I think you have like a long tenure with that kind of role, don't you? Yeah. Like you have worked for like 10 to 20 years. I think she said that she's worked alongside him for 22 years. Um, and then Mitch Kessler, who's played by Steve Carell, is accused of sexual 
misconduct or sexual harassment or something like that. So he's off the show. Immediately he's fired and she has to do the show within two hours of that news releasing. So you've got that kind of manicness that we've spoken about, the Mm. whole putting the story together and the kind of urgency and on edge, like what's going to happen, what they're going to say kind of thing. But Jennifer Aniston's character, I mean, I've only watched one episode, she's not a great person. Oh. She's, um... there's a little bit of vindictiveness behind it Mm -hmm. a little bit of selfishness behind it but then obviously as well what I did kind of like is that they showed the mourning of losing a person who has done that Mm -hmm. because when something happens like this, I mean, we've kind of seen it throughout the years. I mean, we spoke about Glee recently when obviously Mark Salin was found to be um, holding child pornography and people who likely have said they have mourned him as if he died before he actually did die. So they kind of showed that side of someone mourning who they, as person they thought they were. Mm. You might say, I think that's, I think I'm pretty sure that's like a poem in Milk and Blood and Honey. <laughs> Maybe. I have, I do apologise if I've kind of like, um, yeah, paraphrased that. Um, and then you have Reese Witherspoon, who's fucking fantastic in this show. She is a powerhouse. And sometimes I forget because Reese Witherspoon to me, she is a producer. She has a book club. She's a mother. She runs a production company. Mm. And then I think, oh, oh, and also she's an actress. And she's fantastic in this show. She plays this really ballsy, um, conservative reporter who cares, who doesn't give a shit about what people think about her. And she basically ends up going on the morning show, being interviewed by Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston does not like her. Mm. And she starts to kind of berate her and challenge her. And Reese just holds her own. And at the end of the first episode, you can tell that she's going to be offered a job to work with Jennifer Aniston. Um, so it is good. I'm going to carry on watching it. Nice. But I like that it's about women. Yeah. And I like you've got that. A little bit like 30 Rock, where you're in the TV studio and you're kind of seeing how everything ticks along yeah. and how things are moving. Um, so no, I, I do like it. And I think it's quite good to have another TV show about news. Yeah, especially, especially, especially now. Yeah, and one that's contemporary, like dealing with Me yeah. Too, in the way that I guess Bombshell did. I've not seen that one, but that's that's interesting yes with bombshell it was interesting because it was set um i can't remember what year it was set but it was set when the allegations started coming well, it wasn't set when the allegations came out sorry it was set before the allegations oh, okay. came out when they were like building a case but it, it takes place in fox news and i remember we remember on the show we spoke about yeah. this and we said we weren't interested in seeing it the women were awful but it was really good. Mm. And I was shocked by how good it was. So obviously it focuses on Roger Ailes or Roger Ailes and looks into how the characters... Sorry, I need to explain this a bit better. What kicks it off is Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman realising that she's going to be fired as, a, as the anchor of one of the shows. And so she decides to sue Roger Ailes and I'm saying that right is it Roger Ailes or Roger Ailes not sure I think it's I have no idea I have no idea we'll just call him Roger Um, or dickhead Um, (laughs) so it kind of tries to go into that it also looks into the treatment of women in press obviously Charlize Theron's character who is Megyn Kelly Mm. um, she gets in trouble because she starts berating Donald Trump Donald Trump makes a very terrible comments about her um 
and it kind of follows that route of things as well and then obviously follows how the network so it does look into network news and how it treats its mm. anchors and how it's all about not presenting the truth but presenting a story based on the truth mm-hmm. if that makes sense okay but for me as i've said before margot robbie is an incredible incredible actor in this film mm-hmm. she plays a made-up character basically based on a lot of other people kate kayla and I just love the way you see the journey of her throughout the film. Um, but it is, it is interesting. It's a good film. It speaks about journalism. It speaks about how women are treated in journalism, especially on the rise to the top. Mm. Um, so I definitely would recommend it. I know we said that we weren't going to watch it. But I really, really, really enjoyed the film. And again, it was nice to see something contemporary. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of the films we spoke about, they're based in the past. Yeah. Um, because that's when the... It's different now because when news hits, I mean, you said before about in the post, you had that whole sequence of looking at the papers, going into print and going to the vans. You had that in Spotlight as well. Mm. You don't get that now. You get live updates, you get tweets, you get online breaking news, you get, you know, people forwarding you WhatsApp messages of new breaking news or screenshots. Yeah. You don't get that kind of buzz from, I mean, now when people release breaking news, it's live. That's it. Yeah. And the evolution of journalism has been really interesting, not just obviously in real time and the way it's changed history, but also the way film portrays it. Hugely. Mm. And that's why I've, I've got good hopes for the morning show. Mm. I can see it being a very interesting concept, not just because it's about the behind the scenes of the news, but it's also about the way they're presenting it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that there's room for more. There's definitely room for more. Oh, for sure. Like another another HBO show, maybe? I feel like a British show. There used to be British one. Let me find it. It starred Ben Whishaw, and it came out the same year as the newsroom did, and everyone kept telling me to watch it. Really? Yep. It was a new... It only ran for, like, two or three um, seasons. I will find it, because I remember everyone kept telling me. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It is called... Oh, 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 it's called The Hour. And it was, yeah, and it was a British television, television drama series on BBC. And it was centred on new current affairs, um, a new current affairs show being launched by the BBC in June 1956 at the time of the Hungarian Revolution and Suez Crisis. It had Ben Whishaw, Dominic West, Ramona Garay, um, all of these like really cool people. And I never, I was going to start it and then it got cancelled. So it was just one of those things that got put on the back burner. But I heard it was great. Yeah, I think we, I think we definitely need something contemporary. Mm. Contemporary news be good. I mean, even just like looking behind the scenes of as online online news and how that kind of breaks and things like that, it would be quite interesting. I mean, you look at we've got films and TV shows about comedy, like Late Night, for example. The way they take news and turn it into comedy. I mean, it'd be interesting to see behind the scenes that, especially with the women. Yeah. If you look, if you watch your news and see how many women are actually there. I mean, I think it's great now watching football and there's women on the actual pundit desk mm. and things like that. Or, so, yeah, it's um, it's definitely interesting. I think overall, it is very male-dominated. A lot of the films we've spoken about. Yeah. And obviously, essentially, it, it's not traditional. I hate saying that, that it's a traditional male role because it's not. It's just the fact they never wanted to hire women. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but what, a few things I learned from like recapping it was that great editors defend their writers and I like seeing that relationship between the editor and the writer mm. which I saw a lot in Shattered Glass mm. and also Spotlight as well hugely I mean even the post you said with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep's relationship um and I just love seeing the old films and how they use email, yeah. especially in the 90s yeah. and how like they write on typewriters. You just think, oh my God, could you imagine writing all day at a typewriter and then like, oh, actually, we're not going to use that story. But like, the way they email, it was just like, space. There's a scene in the post when one of the journalists is typing that way and Tom Hanks' character walks past him. He's like, can you not type like that? Just because the sound is just, oh, so typewriters. It's just too much. Um, but yeah, that's that is our roundup on journalism films. What would you say is your favourite? Are you going to stick with Spotlight? Um, I mean, if I'm sticking with my fave, fave, then we're sticking with the newsroom, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think film probably Spotlight. Yeah, I've got to say the same. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just the I love the I love the idea of taking on the church. Mm-hmm. And I just think that because every single report has got a different dynamic and a different reason for doing it, I really like that. And I just love the integrity, even when they're, you know, Michael Keaton and it's all kind of like very at risk and it's risky and like the newspaper could get shut down and they're still doing it. I think it's really admirable because they are heroes sometimes, I'd say. I mean, like you said, about, you mentioned about paparazzi. You've got people that go to university to study journalism and they write shitty articles about yeah. women, especially, especially women. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm shocked that we haven't had a film about the phone tapping scandal in the I UK. was going to say, I think that should that, that has to be the next one. Because that was huge. Yeah. Some, if you don't know about the UK phone tapping scandal, they've fiddled with murder investigations. Like, it's a massive, massive thing. So, I don't know, maybe they will. Should we have a look to see if they are going to do it? I hope. I wonder who, or who would be my fat, my director for that? Um... Would you go British or would you go American? I think I'd go British. I don't know. That's a tough one. Oh! Oh, my God. You are not going to believe this. Oh, what? I was... Oh, what? <laughs> so they are making a film. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the person who's directing it is George Clooney. Oh, fuck off. Hi. <laughs> George. After I just so the said film is going to be dull. So boring. Oh. oh my god. All right, George. Well, this was announced six years ago. So, um, and it says this will be on the big screen next year. So obviously, it never happened. But yes, apparently, he is going to make a film based on the UK hacking scandal. That's really sad. Especially since really I almost said that. Nolan. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that would be a really good one. And obviously, you've got with the press in the UK, there's a, especially with the royal family yeah. as well, it's interesting. I'd like to see the way they present that, which is why, honestly, I think, because you know, The Crown was meant to be six seasons. Mm. They've changed it to five, haven't they? I reckon they've said, don't do all the Diana shit. Interesting. Because, see, we've got season we got season four coming up, which is where we meet Princess Diana. Yeah. And then season five is obviously going to be about the divorce and things like that. And then I was wondering what they're going to do for season six. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just something about that. But I think the way the press talk about the royal family is interesting. It's... And it could, could make a good film. Yeah, for sure. Especially with everything that went down with Meghan. 
with Megan, yes, hugely. Mm. The way that kind of transcended through the generations. And also because you've got to think, back in the day, you didn't have paparazzi, you didn't have... And they made deals with the press. Like, when William went to college, they said, we'll give you one photo, like, every few months yeah. if you leave him alone. Yeah. It's just interesting how someone could bargain with the press like that. Like, celebrities, they can't really do that, can they? So, yeah. Lots to think about. So Maybe much. some scripts for people out there to write yeah. if you're looking for things to write this quarantine. Yes. Get there before George Clooney does. Yes. Oh, my God, sake. please. I'm so... I can't believe I said in this podcast <laughs> episode, he's so boring and he's... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry. Next article. <laughs> George Clooney has scrapped ideas... Oh. ...to make the film. All right. So I guess people must have reacted like us then. No, apparently it was because... Um, he no investors wanted to give money to the project for fear of upsetting Rupert Murdoch. Oh, okay, A24. I did wonder because obviously A24 big, make your indie move. Come on, upset that guy. A big part of it is obviously Piers Morgan, who is a yes. British morning show host. So yes. it'd be very interesting to release a movie where your bad guy is. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think they're definitely... you definitely got to have a film out there. Oh, for sure. I feel like when there's not a film like this out there, it's because someone's holding it back. Mm. I think so. It's like um, it's like when celebrities don't have a tell-all book. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why. Um, that was a good episode. That was a good episode, yeah. There. It's yeah, pretty good. we covered a lot of ground. It was interesting. And it was good to kind of watch films for the sake of a podcast mm. episode. And it finally got me into watching the morning show, of course. So, yeah. Nice. What are your quarantine plans for the next week or so? Have you got anything in particular you're doing? Um, I, for the next week, I'm probably going to be staring at that one photo of Oscar Isaac. I am offering my therapy service who is affected by this image. We were not expecting this today. And I just send my love to everyone who is recovering, yeah. if you can recover from this image. Um, so Dune have released, was it like four images they released? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was a couple. Yeah, the first one was Timothy Chalamet and then they released one for everyone else. Um, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I love this book. But it's going to be two films. Sorry? It's going to be two films. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they announced today that it's going to be two films. I think he said something along the long lines of that he wanted to um, tell... Yeah, he's, he's going to split it into two. Nice. Because he wants to tell the story better. I mean, to be honest, I think if you've got a great book... I think the original film is really long, isn't it? I haven't seen the original film, only because I love the book so much and I heard the original film is really shite. <laughs> <laughs> Scott watched it and he didn't say much about yeah. it. So, yeah. Um, well, that's good to know. I yeah. think it's better placed as two films. Because there's I mean, so much like going Zendaya. on. Zendaya in an epic. Yes! It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, it looks it looks bizarre. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's yeah. like one of those films that... Or at least one of those books where... Because it's set establishing a whole new world, essentially. They have to make it credible. And therefore, it goes on for, like, chapters and chapters. Like, this is this world, and this is that world, and this is what we do, and this is what that... So I think it probably makes sense for them to do two films because there's just so much pretext and sort of setup that, that I think they need. Yeah, I just hope they're not doing, like, a Harry Potter or Hunger Games. They'll just oh. split it for the sake of it. 
Well, if they carry... So, you know, Children of Dune, which is one of the prequels, um, it was a miniseries that came out in 2003, and James McAvoy played Leto II. And if it carries on in that canon, that means James McAvoy plays Timothy, Ch- Timothy Chalamet's son and Oscar Isaac's grandson, and I kind of love that. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's due out December, so mm. who knows? Who knows? I mean, they've pushed Black Widow till August, which I think is a bit early, considering that yeah. we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but I suppose they have to give a date, don't they? Yeah. Probably for money reasons and things like that. They've not pushed so Tenet yes. yet. No. Someone reminded me of that today. I think it was Ari. Mm. Thank you, Ari. I completely forgot about that. We will do a Christopher Nolan episode okay. near the time. We're very excited for that. Um, for the next week, I'm probably going to be watching The Morning Show. Oh, nice. And being in my garden i just love being in my garden right now nice. it's just nice and relaxing mm. i feel sorry for anyone that doesn't have a garden um but yeah it's just nice and relaxing um yes we hope you're keeping well during this time and we will be back next week with even more film talk Yay. see you then bye bye thanks for listening to another episode you can help support the show by subscribing to us on whichever podcast platform you're using That's Kara in the background with her squeaky toy. You can also give the show a like or even leave a review. We're on Twitter at NotHavingItPod and at Rianne Pictures. See you next week.